Hey everyone, this is 5-Pin Universe's second podcast. Uh, we actually recorded this on October 31st, Halloween. Um, this is the next day. I just wanted to go over a few things before the podcast starts. Um, so our Patreon has been up and running, I do believe, just a week. Um, we already have seven patrons. I'd just like to send out special thanks to the Strike Fame patrons, Al Paquette and JB Rainsberger. Um, they helped out a lot. We've increased our audio a little bit, so hopefully that comes through pretty well. Um, so our guest this week, obviously I'm the host, Carrie Kreitz. Um, we brought in Mark Johnstone, the Vice President of the WCBT, Adam Weber, 2018 Player of the Year of the WCBT, Dexter Wiseman, this year's Autumn Open Champion from 2018, and Tim Wiseman, his brother, 2016 Autumn Open Champion. Um, we think this format went really good, and we hope you enjoy the topics, and uh, take a listen. Thanks. We're just going to go around the table, talk about some topics of 5-pin bowling in Canada, and maybe even some other stuff outside of 5-pin bowling, but we're going to try and stay on topic. All right, Dexter. Just had a uh, Masters this weekend, our first tournament Masters here in Alberta, um, and something I wanted to discuss was uh, the effect of 17-inch on 17-on-center bases. Um, wow. Uh, I mean, looking at the stats this weekend, uh, Tim averaging 300 for eight. Um, I shot... 2370 Weber shot 2380 I believe um and Mark, Mark shot tw- uh, 40, less 50. than that less than that <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can I can safely say that I wasn't bowling all that well um you can definitely tell when you can be averaging 300 and you can tell when you probably shouldn't be averaging 300 um so the the scores are heavily inflated for guys, and and everyone knows going into that weekend that it's going to be that way, unfortunately, which kind of creates a situation where the first weekend of Masters is like the only weekend of Masters. Um, but the other side of it too is the effect that it has on a lot of the ladies that play. And if you watch the effect of the way the balls are hitting hitting the pins for the slower balls. It's, it's creating a massive disparity in, in pinfall. Uh, I mean, you watch Diane Violini out there, and, uh, I mean, she's always been all about the location of the shot. But she buries it in the pocket, and because of the physics, she's leaving a corner every single time. And, I mean, there's only so many adjustments you could do, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of finding adjustments for every situation. But watching certain people with a slower ball speed just get ripped apart because because of the way the bases are it's it's hard to watch yeah no i i agree with you um i was never one for the 17 inch bases and it on the weekend it definitely showed um i didn't great i only i think i shot 22 20 but it wasn't definitely a 22 20 it was probably a 2000 anywhere else um some extra kicks off the back chop off strings and stuff like that and, uh, yeah, it was um, very disheartening to bowl with a few people and see them struggle the way they did. And other people were lighting up. And even by Tim's own admission, he said he wasn't playing that good, but almost he averages well over 300. Yeah, I, I was probably, uh, if you look at my stats, probably 40% on spares. I wasn't very good, but I threw a lot of strikes. I mean, I took a, a side pot away from Carrie, and I hit the middle three different different times. All right, left pocket, right pocket, right on the beak, and I, and I took home a hundred bucks from that. So, uh, I, 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 I really have a. It is tough for the ladies. You watch a lot of them not be able to carry corners and whatnot, and the physics is there. But if you have the ball speed, anything goes down there, right? That's kind of how it goes. There's got to be other factors, though, too, right? Like, it, I, I thought Nebs was one of the first to, to go after those 17s, and uh, didn't they have a Nationals there, and averages were horrific. So, like, there, there's got to be other factors, uh, whether it's the slide, whether it's, you know, confidence, I guess, walking into it. Uh, but, uh, they, you know, higher end ball speed is definitely the key. 
Well, I think like from from my standpoint, it's like seeing like the kickbacks and all the weird breaks and stuff like that because the guys that throw it a bit harder tend to get a lot more of that there. I like it was hard for me to get a lot of breaks like that, right? And so I didn't score. I didn't play very well anyway, but but little bit of a disadvantage for me, I would think. There is a definite difference between Bonnie Dune and Nebs, and and that could be the uh, the taller bases. Bonnie Dune uses the black bases. I don't believe in, I don't believe Nebs does. Nebs, uh, I don't believe does no. So that that could be the difference in in the deflection there. Um, and I, I think that's important. Uh, there, there just isn't enough resistance to to deflect properly. Not only that, I mean, with the ba- the the three pins pushed in, all the ladies' balls are hitting the outside of the three pin. So you you watch every ball jump in front of the two pin all day. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess uh, I mean while we're at it, what what sort of adjustments should people be making if that is the case? Well, you definitely can't go down the middle. That's for sure. Yeah, I think you got to create some angle. Yeah, right, you, you, got, sure. you got to you got to push the head pin in, not out, right? So yeah, and and that's something I even made an adjustment to the outsides at Bonnie Dune in order to score a little bit better in the last four games because I wasn't scoring that well either, and a lot of that was due to punching, but. Um, even just creating that little bit of angle, I got some more carry and a little bit more push through too. Um, something that definitely didn't work at Sherwood Park. Up the gut was a lot better than from the side, that's for sure. No, I was going to say that uh, I saw a few of the, uh, the slower ball shooters, uh, the, the Genos, the Harveys of the world, uh, try to actually amp up you know, the ball speed. And uh, I actually saw them struggle even more because uh, now they're forcing the ball and it's just a big push. And uh, all, all of a sudden, you know, they, they actually scored worse um, trying to throw the ball harder. And I think for, for most of the ladies, that, that might be their only option uh, aside from angle, uh, obviously. I think angle's the biggest key that, that we can do. I can attest to like subconsciously probably trying to throw a ball a bit harder too. Like I think maybe I was doing that a bit too. Uh, some of the things for me going into Bonnie Dune is I'm supposed to play well there. So the mental thing about playing there is actually having a negative effect on myself because I have huge expectations going in there and I try way too hard going in there and I don't do as well because of that, right? So. Well, that, that and the fact that, you know what, going into it, again, we, we know that you have got to perform on those days. You have got to play well the first two of Masters because if you don't, you're down between 400 and 500 pins going into the last, two tur- or last four tournaments. Yeah, that's, that's me. Yeah, and, and it's hard. It's, it's yeah. a really hard thing to overcome. So there, there's a lot of pressure in the first two if you want to make it. And I don't really think that's the way that the the game was designed to be, but and th- that being said, I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to slam Body Dune. I I understand the the concept as to why the 17 on centers came in. I don't really agree with the concept, but I I understand why. Um, I think I just, some centers could benefit from it, and some it's like the so, scoring's too good almost, but so, some centers so, could benefit. I think. So here's my question for you guys: How is this only affecting like I guess the top five percentile really? If you really think about it, right? Because because no. the other ninety, the other ninety five, the average bowler out there or the open play bowler ends up you know participating more, having more excitement, right? And that aspect I think is okay. Right, and and, and so that that's the reason why they implemented it in the first place. So they wanted to make it more fun for the recreational lower average bowlers. That being said, the biggest problem that the lower average bowlers has is they don't hit the middle. So if they're not hit the middle, it's not making any difference. All that's happening now is you're having your, you know, your your 200 average bowler um, who used to hit the middle, uh, you know, or doesn't <laughs> doesn't hit the middle all that often, right? And then you're you're facing somebody who used to average 250 and hits the middle all the time. Well, that person who averaged 200, their average isn't getting any higher because they're still not hitting the middle. But all of a sudden, you know, the person that was averaging 250 is now averaging 280. You have an 80%, uh, a third, well, yeah, another 30-pin disparity in there. It's a huge difference. And then you start going into the, the POA tournaments and you're, you're hooped. 
Well, it's kind of like no tap tournaments, right? Like, <laughs> probably generally helps the higher average bowlers typically because we hit the middle more. Yeah, only if you throw mm-hmm. corners, though. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I throw nothing but bombs, but uh, no, I typically don't leave corners. Like maybe one a game, if that, on average. Like I, you probably... I get a lot more chop offs. That chop yeah, far. yeah, I guess. Yeah, because I don't chop get any off. really. Drake. But that's fall that's speed, just yeah. fall speed, right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I I don't see anything wrong with it because they're trying to raise entertainment value for their center, right? Entertainment's a huge sell point. Um, mm-hmm. it, it does it hurt their lower handicap players or their lower average players? Yeah, probably. If they ever go to a tournament to a tougher house, they're not going to compete very well there. Even though you you may do well, but I. I don't see how. I really don't. Do uh-huh. yeah. the the only the only I, I find people that lose out on it is, is the ones that that get the special recognition awards, right? The perfect games, the the four hundreds, right? You know, and, and unfortunately across Canada, it's become it's becoming running a joke. It's it's an asterisk, like it's like tainted, like Barry Bonds in his home run, right? And it it's not really the bowler's fault. I mean, they they're just they're the bowl, right? They don't have a choice. No, right, so you, so you see someone like Palmer or even Michael Marciano, they'll they'll forever not maybe get the full accolades from their peers, right? Just because of that. Yep. And and honestly, I do feel bad for Body Doom too because they're seeing backlash now. But I remember before they did all this, like they were receiving backlash then too because their their pinfall was really was really hard for a number of years. Um, it was really tough. And then all of a sudden they went to the other and the other end of the spectrum, and I'm sure they they feel like they're in a position where they can't win, um, and and really they're they're trying to do the best that they can for everybody, but it's it's tough. It's such a it's such a fine line. Yeah, I think ultimately higher scores are better than lower scores if you had to make a choice. Really. Yeah. I'm partial. I'm fifty fifty really. Yeah, I wouldn't fault them. For, I I don't fault them for for it. Um, it just makes my decision a little bit easier. I don't tend to go play at Bonnie Dune anymore just because I don't feel it's a fair recognition of how I'm playing. And I want to get ready for other tournaments that are going to be in houses that are notoriously tougher. So I like playing in houses in leagues that are in tougher houses. It, it sharpens my game more than just throwing one or two more strikes a game. Right. And, and I mean, you come, you come to Sherwood Park, and the big thing for us is that if you, if you finish your shot, if you have fingers on your ball, you're going to score well. Um, but coming, watching the people who bowl specifically at Body Dune only, it's uh, it's hard because they they don't they're not forced to do that. They're not forced to do that, and they come they come to Sherwood Park and then they struggle a little bit, you know. Um, so yeah, and and then you don't have as many your you don't have as many spare shots at Body Dune, so you're not practicing all that as well. Uh, and not to mention the fact that your your two pins are pushed in, so you're actually aiming in a different spot as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I heard uh, somebody who plays at Bonnie Dune lots say, "Oh, I I don't normally have to spare these at Bonnie Dune." <laughs> I heard. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. It was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, yeah no actually, uh, Danny Gombach had mentioned I was playing with him the one game at Bonnie Dune, and he went and thought he picked his corner. The ball stayed on the deck, but uh, it missed the two pin because the two pin was in that extra little bit. Yep. And. Uh, like it's such a small amount, you can make the adjustment to pick it. But it's uh, surprising when you normally would think you would pick it, and then all of a sudden you have to shoot at your spare again. Right. Yep. Especially if you're not used to the center, right? It, and I, I know with uh, Danny, for example, he plays down at Toppler, and uh, those lanes uh, break probably as as much as anywhere in Alberta, you know, possibly Grand Prairie, but. Um, trying to make that adjustment and then all of a sudden the 17s are out there as well now you're having that extra uh, adjustment uh, i know the uh the, the dots on the approaches uh, are backwards at the back end at bonnie dune also um so there there's another factor that that a lot of bowlers just don't have to think about on a daily basis and uh, once they master it they're fine but uh, all of a sudden the the locals get those probably two or three game uh, advantage on, on most of those players uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Myself, I'd always prefer to grind, uh, so I'll always play somewhere like a Sherwood Park, 
um, a, a toddler. Uh, um, yeah, the, 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 any, any place I can grind. Old Grand Prairie, yeah. Fun houses. Uh-huh. <laughs> Depends who you talk to. <laughs> All right. So, I, yeah, no, no, you want, do you have your topic, Tim? Well, I, I don't know how, I, I want, it's something that we've always talked about, I think, and, uh, um, I just kind of want to get the ball rolling a little bit because I know we all have our personal views on, on how, why or how we feel about this, but um, something we always talk about is that that I disagree with, but we always talk about is, is bowling's dying, right? And is, is bowling dying or is there a way we can fix it, right? Um, unfortunately, like I've always said, it, we're in the toughest sport. Dex and I are proprietors, and, and, I, and I think it's up to the women of the proprietors, to be honest with you, whether we survive or we don't, right? I mean, we're a private business. How many other sports out there that are not private, are not private, right? Tons. I mean, soccer, you, you have your, you know, your facilities owned by the county or, or by the city or, or even, like, you talk about hockey arenas and stuff like that. Bowling's one of the few sports out there that that is privately owned, right? And, uh, uh I think that's the biggest contributor why why the sport's kind of going downhill a little bit, right? And um, I always hear people say, "Well, let's let's you know why why am I going to help when bowling's going to be dead down the road?" Well, it's it's either you're a leader or you're not, right? And and uh, I'm proud of you guys for coming on these podcasts because I think you guys are proof that if we do work hard at it, we can make something go of it. But uh, um, I don't know. I just I just I, I don't know what what is like what is your guys' opinions on on how we can fix this right I mean uh, uh, in a like in a good way I guess I mean I, I think we're fortunate out in Edmonton that and I think we can all attest that everybody works together and maybe that's why we're still a bowling hotbed I think if you look at our leagues and all our centers most of them are still pretty much static right we're not losing a whole lot we're gaining people we're we're like uh, it's great because as proprietors of Sure Bowl we. We talk to Martin and Marissa and Christy at Bonnie Dune all the time, right? And when we talk to Richard at St. Albert, we're, we have good communication with Jocelyn at KJ, you know, and, and it goes on like that. And, and we're not willing, we're not, we're not scared to share information, not scared to help other people out, right? And you go across the country and it almost seems like it's a, like a secret um, or you don't want to talk to the other person across the street from you, but you're all, we're all in it together, right? And, and, and I know we all have as associations sometimes volunteers are are tough to come by and 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 the volunteers we have in spots sometimes are strained with personal life and maybe they don't do the work that maybe they they're promised they do but uh i think associations like ours or or the five parent of the masters or or anything like that it's very it's 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 necessary it keeps us proprietors i believe to make us honest right because if it's without these associations out there i think Without us, I mean, I, I think they can, we can do whatever we want, right? And at least there's some common sense sometimes or some feedback. But uh, with, with bowling alleys, it's past the time of, of just opening up your doors and, and people automatically come in, right? We had to bring people in. You look at places like Shelby at Heritage and they come up with such great new ideas and innovative things that they bring forward or Jeff and, you know, and Tom England down in Nebs, right? And, um, I don't think bowling's dying, but I kind of want to know what your your opinions are on how we fix it. I uh, I guess my thought on it is that I don't think bowling's dying. I think it's shifting. Um, right. Yeah. You're losing maybe a lot of the league stuff, the lower league stuff. Maybe um, you you got to shift more towards entertainment value. You're always going to have your your top average players want to play scratch. They're gonna they're gonna fill one league in your house, but to fill the rest of your time if open play just can't fill it, I think you really have to shift to an entertainment value. And to prove that point, Shelby started, uh, I do believe it's a ladies and wine league. It didn't start out great, but now he said it's one of his hottest leagues there is. It, it, it fills right away. Like, that's, that's something Bonnie that's done that innovative, too, yeah. right? Very innovative. Come up with new ideas. And unfortunately, I think that's really the way it's going to end up going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's associated the cost. If uh, if the cost of bowling keeps going up the way it is, and we know inflation of living keeps going up, 
a lot of people's wages don't follow that. And for them to play a league that they've played the last 15 years, but the price has gone up three times of what it was, but their wage hasn't, without having that extra entertainment value for that league, they're going to be disinterested from it, right? It's It costs so much more, but you're not getting any more value for that money. Mm -hmm. I think that's where the, the shift has, has, has to come, is to an entertainment. You add something to that league to make that extra value there, right? With property is worth a lot too yeah more money right mm -hmm. and for pro you know, we can all uh, attest property is worth more than the business nowadays too yeah yeah oh, no, I, just, I, mean, I just want yeah i don't know myself i i i don't think the sport's dying uh i, I keep hearing it all the time also um the 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 one thing that, that i think we need to continue is to ensure that there's more youth being brought into the sport early and uh that that youth typically will sit you know stick around into some of the adult leagues or um bring other people to the sport and uh, right now there's there's so many options for the youth um you know my, myself and, and my son we we actually had to, to pull um uh pull braxton out of uh, ybc this year uh to, to focus on his soccer Right, so uh, I don't know how that shift away from bowling is going to affect, say, one person. And you know, he brings uh, brings a buddy to all the tournaments, and it, that exposure level goes away. Um, the the other factor, I, I think, it's just it's not seen very much on you know on mainstream TV anymore. Um, you know, it, there hasn't been a whole lot of social media on it, so that is starting to kind of come back. Um, you know, obviously we've got the WCBT locally, and uh, I, I definitely see that shift. You know, infusing some excitement back into the sport, and uh, ho hopefully that just continues to grow. And you know, I, I definitely don't think it's dying. It's it's uh, it's starting to grow again. Yeah, this is this is the first time I remember myself personally. I mean, I bowled all summer at Masters, and then and then in the WCBT finals. <clears throat> And that ended at the start of August, and I'm starting league at the start of September. And I was excited to bowl. Um, that's a, a rarity nowadays, uh, let's be honest. But I, I felt that buzz with a lot of people, even the people who weren't participating in those events, were excited to come back and bowl. And I think I think that the videos do make a really big difference for that, for sure. Um, so I think that's that's a good start. I don't I don't think the game is dying either. I totally agree with Kerry. It's it's shifting. Um, a lot more of it is definitely the open play side of it now than it has ever been. Um, and businesses just need to be aware of that. I mean, you, you, you still have to cater to your league bowlers because they're going to be your, your regular consistent income. But uh, the entertainment, the open play side of it is is huge. That's when people, people want to go out with a group of buddies every once in a while and have a few beers and you know, throw some balls and chit chat and have a good night, and that and that's really really what it's about now. And I mean, that's that's part of the reason why I enjoy my Thursday night league so much because that's that's really what it is. It's just it's just a bunch of buddies sitting around having a few beers, laughing, and, and you know that's that's really what the game is supposed to be about most of the time. But we just got to make sure that it gets to that. Yeah. What do you think, Johnny? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Like, I I don't think the game is dying at all. Um, I, I kind of have the unique angle to see it from the, the shirt supplier kind of side of things too, right? Like I get a lot of, I'm, I'm getting a lot of requests from people that are ordering shirts, like custom bowling shirts and stuff that I don't know. And I think that's, that's the difference from a year or two ago is cause it's all my friends, all you guys, all my buddies. Now I'm getting like, I'm doing shirts in Newfoundland and Quebec and Ontario and stuff from people I don't know. So I think finally that the buzz is the, the WCBT with the videos and the buzz is getting created and all these other people think these shirts are so cool and the whole, just the whole buzz and excitement across the country is, 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 is pretty awesome. And I, it's kind of cool to see that, like I said, is the people that I don't know because I've been around a while and I generally know most people. But it's kind of cool to see a lot of the young ones contacting me as well. Uh, of course, I harassed them to join the tour and stuff too, and whatnot. But and a lot of people are receptive to that too. So 
I don't think the game's dying at all. And like you guys say, it's shifting. Yeah, youth numbers are a lot lower. But I've always said it's hard to have a professional sport if you don't have a, a McDavid or a Wayne Gretzky or LeBron or just some sort of professional organization to look up to. And I think that's what we needed to create is have, having that so kids look up to us and all of us and they have something to, to strive for and to, 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 to achieve and something to look, look up to when they're older, right? So. For sure. And I, I think, Johnny, I think we can all attest uh, I know I'm biased, but I think Edmonton is probably, I think for us, it, Edmonton is a hotbed for us, right? And, and I, I think we grew up and we, you had the Genos, you had the Mark Jacksons, we, we had the Bruce and Lynn's and we had all that and, and uh, they kind of filtered through into us. And, and then uh, it was never, you're taking my spot away. It's always been, let's get more people and the more people we compete against that are on a high level, the better we are, right? And uh, I think that's something we've always done really well out here. Um, now we, we filtered in. We, you know, when Dex and I got a little bit older, we brought Derek Gall along. And then we, then we brought in um, somebody else like Bradley and Tyler. We, we, tell, we encourage them to go play. And then it's, it's sort of our, it's our job, right? I mean, we want to make this go on and we want to make this successful, right? And, and maybe that's why we always have great young kids come up in Edmonton. You know, it's, a, it's not just because of me or Dex or or Adam, or, you know, Carrie, or Johnny, it's everybody in Edmonton, we're all kind of collective that way, right, and um, I don't know what, it, what's, what it's like on the rest of the country, but it seems like we're doing something right here, at least, right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if we don't do that, then the game, the game dies with us, and that's mm-hmm. something I don't think any of us wants, right? Can't yeah. happen. Yeah. No. No, we're alive anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> created too many bonds with too many people from around this country to not have the youth get to experience that as well. Yeah, we've gotten so much back from this sport not to give something back, right? Like, how many trips have we all had nationals across Canada meet new people, meet people from other parts of the country and really like, that's such a ridiculous thing to think that we've had all these trips on five pin bowling, right? Yep. Um, it'd be ah. ill advised of us not to give back. <laughs> I remember that argument when I was in junior high. Some smart ass kid was like, You bowl? I'm like, Yeah, you play hockey? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Yeah, you play hockey? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, How many times have you gone nationals in hockey? How many times have you gone provincials in hockey? Oh, none? Okay, keep talking. Yeah. Like, whatever, man. Oh, Scott Dexter in his prime. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I totally agree. Um, hey, I guess I'll move into my topic. Um, so we've had, I guess, um, speaking from being president of the WCBT, we've had some interest of other centers in other cities wanting to start up events. And so my topic is... Um, we have kind of the same tournament formats throughout the four tournaments, like TPC and Regina are pretty much the exact same tournament format. And Autumn Open is unique and traditional, uh, the traditional Open at Heritage kind of incorporates some of the Autumn Open and uses a bracket style format themselves. Um, so one of my thoughts was what other types of tournament formats can we come up with or even scoring systems to create a unique tournament? Something totally different, right? Um, so I'll, I guess I'll start the topic. My thought was I was just listening to um, Flow Bowling. They just had the U.S. Open down in the States, and Jason Belmonte <coughs> happened to be on there, and his thought process was um, a golf scoring system. So it would, you would play 10 frames. Your frame would consist of how many balls it took to knock down all the pins. So you could score a one for a strike, two for a spare, or you could score up to a seven, eight, nine. As long as you keep missing pins, you keep stroking, right? And then you'd move on to the next frame. And then, so low score would move on. You'd play a tournament that way. Uh, I guess, what are your guys' thoughts on something like that? It's called, uh, I, think, can I, I believe it's called the Petraglia system. So okay. so it's really funny that you uh, you talked about this today because 
Tim and I were discussing this exact thing this morning. Um, I don't know if you guys got any messages, but uh, we received messages to the TPC yesterday from a gentleman uh, who was from Croatia. Croatia, Croatia, Croatia right. Yeah. Right, so he was a nine-pin bowler. And uh, I, for those view, uh, viewers out there or listeners out there that don't know what nine-pin bowling is, nine-pin bowling was the actual original bowling style uh, before ten-pin back in the day. Um, and it's set up in a, in a diamond shape. I know you can't see me or some of you Ooh. can't see me, but it's in a diamond shape. It looks like uh, a diamond, yeah. Um, but he used to play nine-pin, and that was their scoring system. Is that it was, you know, uh, how many balls you could, you know, how many balls it takes to knock down all the pins, and you go until you do it. So that is that is their scoring system. For, for uh, that, as far as I understand from what he said, yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild. He came into bowling alley for like two hours, and we talked about some stuff, right? And it's it's kind of neat. I, I I can see it working, you know. Um, I think so it's we, just a matter what, of testing it out, really. What <laughs> what the, the, the qualifying be the same, you know, by pinfall, and then you do into that? No, or I think I think would, you would run it like an actual golf tournament, right? You would play, let's say it's eight games of your first round, but you would play four rounds, and lowest score after the four rounds wins the tournament. And then you cut cut it in half after the first two rounds. Yeah, depending. you have like a cut. Let's do it. I I think that'd be neat to play it in, I guess, uh, shifts or whatever. You, if you have too many players, you would play this amount of players would play in the morning shift. The next shift would start in the afternoon and maybe an evening shift for round one. And then maybe you cut that to half for round two. And then maybe it's only three rounds long. Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be structured into a bracket, right? It can be structured into a... Of just three rounds of lowest score wins. Lowest score. You, okay. you could uh, you could almost start it like golf too. So let's say in our center we have sixteen lanes, right? If you wanna if you wanna have like the first foursome go out at this time, you start on lane one, you finish that game, you move over to lane two, the next foursome start on lane one, and keep moving across until you're done. Just like a golf tournament, that'd be kind of neat. The only the only hard part would be you need to have volunteers. Because it it's got to run a manual scoring the entire time. So yeah. You have to have the people to sit there and and keep track of all of it for you. But yeah, that would well, be that would be unique. And see, that would be something that could be held on the players too. You have to keep your own score. And the other players yeah. are there to to gut check. Mulligan. Yeah. I'm just using a mulligan on that one. <laughs> oh. Right. G Gino would have 15 frames in one game. That's not well, good. Yeah, it wouldn't be yeah, good. Be <laughs> <laughs> he plays seven, walk away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I would have to like try it out and test it out to to see how it would work. I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm not opposed to changing it up. I'm trying think to think of some other for a new tournament, right? Like I wouldn't say any of the existing tournaments would ever want to change their system, but a new tournament that's trying to start up, I think that's. That would be neat for them to introduce a totally different system that nobody's been doing. I think it would draw a lot of interest, too. I kind of like the formats where there's... I don't know how you do this exactly, but let's say you got 40 guys going, and then after the first game or X amount of games, you drop the bottom five, and then the next set of games, you drop the next five, and then you kind of go on like that somehow. I kind of like those yeah, types of formats sometimes. I heard Adam Weber really likes that format. Oh really? Yeah, he made forty dollars one time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I played lane one and two for like six straight games. Oh, but if you, it's because you had high scores, yeah. Incorporated into the tournament style somehow. No, honestly, I, or I totally keep your scores agree. as you go somehow, or I don't know. Doesn't doesn't the Ontario Masters do that? Uh, sorry, Ontario Singles do that for the Open a little bit. I'm not sure. I think they dropped down after so a bit. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah, CBCs yeah, did. Yeah, remember CBCs did. did, right? And they'd uh, play the 10 games, and then it was what, top 10 people or anybody within a certain amount played on another five games. And yeah. um, you're well, a lot of different formats. Yeah. I, I like that format. I really do. I, I love running it for the Constellation for TPC. Honestly, if if it 
if Saturday doesn't already run so late already, I, w- I would still be running it for sure. But it's just we just can't. But I, I love I love the idea of cutting the field in half, cutting the field in half, cutting the field in half, because you're going to have the most consistent player win. Much much like the same way that your the autumn open is, really. Right. Yeah. And I know another fun one. Mike Lacuse used to always say is, uh, you know, try to have a format where if you punch a head pin clean and then you clean it up, you count a spare for that frame, and then yeah. you move on. Right. You you, you do some sort of a mixed. Uh, you know, for somebody like myself, if I did declare a chop spare as a uh, as a strike in that frame or something like you can declare something at the start, right? Um, I don't know, so something like that would be kind of fun. A- a- any type of um, uh, of kind of like trick games that just kind of brings people around for, for like a, a Thursday fun event, just, just like our, our, all of our Friday fun events at all these tournaments, right? Just, just, just put in some sort of a gimmick event out there. You, you know you're going to draw people, and that's probably the best way that you can – you know, really test the format because you're you're gonna have you know 80, 90 people there. Uh, honestly, the one that I've always wanted to do, and it, and Tim laughs at me every time I say it, but I still want to do it. I want to run a bingo bowl match play tournament. Nice. I, I think that that would be so much fun. <laughs> oh, oh come on! You know what? You have all these high level bowlers, and now you've got to figure out a way to throw aces to win your match. Dex, I think that'd be fun. Your mic. I can't hear you at all there. Sorry. <laughs> I think that a bingo bowl match play tournament would be so much fun. Having a high level average bowler having to shoot aces to win their match, I think that, that would be an absolute blast. I think Valerian... stand in there throwing at one K down there. <laughs> oh, no. oh no, there's better strategies. You know, there's better strategies. You know do you know which one I, I think it could work and I maybe you have your qualifying? Dexter gonna maybe we talked about this too. You have your city, maybe you get your top thirty two you qualify for. First seed gets to pick his bowler from the from the uh, anybody from the thirty two he he gets to pick them. Right? And then yeah. he gets to face off against them. And then the second place has to pick his bowler. Right? If he wasn't and picked already. If he wasn't picked already. And you can so imagine the first bowler like getting picked. You are kinda of pissed off at the guy thinking you're, well, yeah, you're the be. easiest one. A little extra right? motivation. Yeah. You there. Yeah it's the it's the grudge match tournament. Yeah it's something we've talked about a few times too. Yeah, I know. I honestly, right now I pick John Stone in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) I know I wouldn't pick Gary Baird. (laughs) (laughs) Your record's not very great against him, I guess. Oh, he's only averaging about three and a half against me. (laughs) Lifetime. (laughs) And you know know what? We're all high average bowlers. I mean, for the uh, for. For these kind of things, we could we could bring back the counter pin for a tournament. Hey, yeah, I kind of like that. Really, there's no reason yeah. why we couldn't. Nope, for sure. But do, so with the scoring that to... topic, um, <laughs> do you guys feel that those are gimmick events that you would run on Friday nights, or do you think that some of these top or some of these scoring systems that you brought up could be actually played in an actual tournament? Uh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, I, I can see a, the golf style. Yeah, right. I think it would be us doing it and trying it and showing that we're serious about it. I think people would jump on board to give it a try anyway for the first year. Yeah, like I think that um, that golf scoring system, I think it would work good for, for an actual tournament. I just think that it makes sense. Like there's an actual thing there, right? Um, where the count the counter pin is definitely something there, but once again that'd have to be manual scored, and you would have to enlighten all the youth because I guarantee none of them know about the counter pin. Yeah, yeah, like none of us have probably even played it. We know what was it le- left corner? Yeah, yeah. Your yours left uh, corner, yeah. I think it's depending it to the, on what, uh, what if your 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 hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're left-handed, it's the right one. Yeah. What if you're two-handed? Then uh, I don't know. Can we pick uh, one? Can we pick one? <laughs> what? Well, even even with our tournament for the TPC, you know, for the A side it's seated. For the B side, we could do the grudge match on the B side. 
it's a, it was a random draw before. That's an actual possibility. That would make that that would make our tournament unique, and that that that'd be interesting. Yeah, that, hey, that'd, that'd be, be kind of cool, Regina. actually. And that would, like you said, that would make the change from Regina as a random draw as well. Yeah. So are hmm. we doing that? Sunday. I just hope I have first seed. I, so. <laughs> you just better hope you make the cut. Honestly, I don't know if I'd want first seed. That's you. You gotta yeah. make, call something. You gotta fill Kessel. It's yeah. like Phil Kessel the All Star game. Well, you know, honestly, I think Mitch Davies first because Mitch doesn't win it after the A thirty twos. He just breaks his hand after. No, but he's good on B side. <laughs> He's, He's good on the B side. side. <laughs> just yeah, just so make sure he needs to throw more than five on his last ball. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, gotta make sure there's some some uniqueness to these events, right? And uh, if we were able to, to bring a, a unique gimmick a new gimmick event to say a Friday night. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it could work. Only problem is everybody's drinking, right? So now you might have to, to, to go over the format more than once. Yeah. Throughout the event. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of the bakers, to be honest with you. You know, it, it gets kind of tiresome after so, so long, but yeah, every event is Baker's. I have a hard time. We, as a center, like for us, we'll probably never move away from the doubles right now because, I mean, we're we're pumping in 128 people on a Friday night, and first place is fifteen hundred dollars a person. Like it's just it's just impossible for us to move away from that, just to accommodate people. Yeah, but I think the problem you run into too is there's only so many formats you can do, right? Baker's Baker's makes sense. You incorporate a lot more people into the event, and it doesn't take super long, right? Yeah. Um, your doubles makes a lot of sense. Um, even the trios that Regina runs on Thursdays, they're, uh, they're a higher player event or whatever. Um, it, that's a good format too, but the, other than those three events, I don't know. I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head that would be a team event. Um, bingo bowl match play. <laughs> Gimmick. Or you do pools of pools of whatever, and you go head to head against other teams at that point instead of have a having a qualifying or something. Yeah, yeah do a random draw. But or that's kind of like Red Deer. <laughs> that's kind of like Red Deer too, in a way though. But you got pools, and you're playing everybody in your pool. But it's doubles instead of singles. Yeah. Uh, maybe like curling, you do some sort of qualifying and have a page playoff system or something like that. Like that's kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know. There's lots of options. At the I think end we can check out others. Heritage uh, bakers, they do a step ladder, do they not? Yes. I've yeah. never made it to the step ladder, so I don't know. I'm just asking. <laughs> we we won it lots before they had a step ladder. No, we never never made it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How about in honor of uh, Halloween? Uh, do you guys have any bowling superstitions? Ooh. I do. I have a lot. I have lots. Uh, I never oh. uh, one for me myself. I never put my shoes on a table top. Huh. On top of the table. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I know how to screw with you now. <laughs> 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 That's kind of oh. dirty too. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> you're, you're, well, that, that's how your mother raised you, though. You never put your shoes on the table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure I, lots of people have what they, they, the same shirt, or uh, I'm sure some people have, you know have to have the same belt or the same underwear for for that matter. Uh, hats for for all you guys typically, right? So uh, I know for myself, I, I got a bunch of little quirky ones. Uh, with the shoes, like the the shoe laces have to be the same length before I tie them, like just just little stupid little things, right? But uh, yeah, superstitions, man, they're uh, they're everywhere. Everybody I talk to seems to have you know two or three, uh, so it'd be good to, to to see what else everybody has. The only thing for me, really, 
Um, I didn't I didn't start doing this until I, I lawn bowled for a number of years because Lynn and Bruce told me I should do it. And I, I went out and tried it and I had a good time. But with lawn bowling, there's a bias to the ball. So you have a marker on one side of the ball and whatever side that's on, it, it moves to. It, it like curls that direction. So after that, I started when I started bowling, I had to have the, my name or whatever was written on my bowling ball the same way all the time. So it'd be lined up one direction and the name would be written that way. So I end up holding the ball the same way all the time. But I never used to do that before before lawn bowling. That's about Ooh. that's about it, really. Uh, yeah. And besides resetting the pins, but that's not really a superstition. I just think it's good practice. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm like Adam. I have to put my socks on left to right and my, and my shoes on left to right. I, I don't know why I have to do that. It's just, it's just how I – and then I always have uh, – actually, Stevenson taught me this when he hold, told me how to hold the ball. Or on, my, uh, on my name with the O for Timothy, I had to put my finger on the O the whole time. So that's how I hold, hold it on the same spot every time. It's just – it's just it's just just in your head or something like that, you know, and the same routine kind of thing like that. And yeah, I don't know, doesn't, just, doesn't that cut your finger though when you're throwing it? Yeah, no, I don't like him touching the name. Dude, bricks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the name on my fingers. I'd prefer it on my palm where I can't feel it. To to be honest with you, I uh, they're probably worn down. You can't even see my engraving. <laughs> I mean, I have to. They look great. <laughs> <laughs> I may have created a new one since Calgary because Calgary, when I finished bowling, I took off my shoes and I found out my socks were inside out. <laughs> so, oh, I dressed in the dark. I didn't look at them and they had these little fluffy things because they were inside out. And I was like, oh. So maybe, maybe that's what I'll do from now on. Well, if I come with my pants inside out, you know why. <laughs> Wait, aren't, aren't I'm trying you something. Dexter on Friday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wardrobes on Friday, Johnny. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> you do the and cheeseburgers. Wardrobes and cheeseburgers. Chewing your bacon cheeseburger. I'm not sure if mine is so much a superstition. I used to uh, carry around an American half dollar for good luck in my right pocket all the time. But other than that, I don't think there was anything. I didn't worry about how I put my shoes on, what socks I was wearing, what. I didn't worry too much about that. Um, even cool. bowling balls, I, it didn't matter which bowling balls I put out there first. It was whatever was working, then I switched out. So, um, cool. I think that some of them for me, like I can't think of any like crazy ones at all, but it's more like in team play where you start developing some routines and you're being successful and then you're, you're like, okay, now you, you got to have your towel on that shoulder before you throw <laughs> the ball every time. Like, you start developing some routines like that. Yeah, op open provincials, Adam Weber's... PG-13, boys. Yeah, Adam Weber's nipples were raw. Oh, man. But it was working. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, I find in team events, you know, they especially, you know, five-player team, you know, everybody's got their, their kind of place in a line while somebody else is bowling and... You know that person comes off, and everybody kind of shifts. And once you find the routine that's working, uh, team sport, a routine, then that superstitions everywhere. So that, that that was a lot of fun. I think we were in uh, was it Sudbury? Yeah, Timmy. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah that, that was such a great uh, great event. And just just watching our team dynamic. Uh, when we were throwing well, everybody was in their exact same spot. Every single ball. It was crazy. It was so much fun. Uh, yeah, I, I feel bad saying this, but every time Freddie had a double, I had to say, right in the dick, Freddie, and he always threw a turkey. Sorry for your benching, Freddie. But it's true, though, right? I mean, we, we, we were very like that, though, right? You kind of get in the same thing, right? And, yeah, it's, it, it worked. So. I know Bruce uh, Mortar, for example, one time, he had a perfect game. He would only throw his one ball four frames in a row. So he used the, the white ball, for example, for the first four frames, and then went to the blue ball for the next four frames, and then back to the white ball for the next four frames. So it was kind of his superstition on when that happened. He had, had a perfect game doing that. So that was kind of mm -hmm. cool. 
Well, was it uh there was a story about uh Gino told me the story about Lloyd Cox. I never had the uh, opportunity to meet Lloyd Cox or the Edmonton, but uh from my understanding he he never believed he'd throw the same ball twice. So he would throw a double and he never thinks you're gonna throw a triple the same way. So he moved five boards right or ten boards right or go ten boards left and throw his turkey. And then he would start back where he threw his first two balls and he would throw his four bagger or whatever it was. And But every three, he would move 10 boards either way or back or whatnot, right? It's kind of an insane adjustment, but uh, it worked for him. So if people don't know, we are actually recording this on October 31st, Halloween. Um, so tomorrow is the start of the TPC. We start with a pro seminar at 430 um, all youth are coming out for free, um, sponsored by Alberta 5-Pin. <laughs> I say we. The 5-Pin Universe is going to be there, help recording, but the WCBT is the one running the pro seminar. And then uh, we have the TPC Invitational, um, starting at 6 o'clock, right? Yeah, Yeah. Um, intro is about 5.40, I think. 5.40, and that yeah. will be live-streamed on the TPC at Sherwood's Facebook page. Um, for people that want to yeah. tune into that. Um, and then if people don't know, I'm playing Dexter Wiseman. Um, Who's he? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Derek Gall is playing Tim Wiseman. Adam, I do, you're playing Kevin Clark out of Regina. For Juicebox. Yeah, <laughs> for Juicebox. <laughs> and Mark Johnson's playing Matt Eisenhower out of BC. So we're yeah. all competing in it. It's a thousand dollar entry. Um, if you so your first match is five games, scratch total moves on to the next match. So the field gets cut in half every round. The next round is four games, and then the round after that's three games, and then the finals two games. And the champion takes home five thousand dollars. Yeah. And now, and now, when the 16s finish, we put the eight ladies in as well. That's right. We have the ladies invitational this year as well, and they're a five hundred dollar entry. Um, and that's not saying that they couldn't play in the thousand dollar invitational. They just wanted to create a separate event just for the ladies. The ladies were more than welcome to play the thousand dollar invitational as well. And still are. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of neat. Adding a whole nother. Uh, small tournament within Sational, um, eight more players to the tournament. I think that's pretty cool to add that little aspect to it. And uh, Annette Campbell was the big force behind that, I believe, right, guys? Absolutely. Absolutely. She was awesome. Yeah, perfect. And it filled up fairly quick from what I understand, too. <laughs> to be honest, faster than the Invitational did. So, um, obviously, she knew her, uh, knew the people. <laughs> it was went real fast, so it was great. Yeah. That's awesome. It's always good to add to an event instead of taking away from them. So it shows that we're growing. So it's yeah, positive. no doubt. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think a kind of neat part that we added to the thing, to the tournament about three years ago, was the whole walk-in with music and stuff like that. I think that's pretty neat, even though some of the music choices aren't the greatest. But it's, uh, it's pretty fun to watch them walk in and... Uh, Everybody clapping and everything, stuff like that. I think that's pretty cool. I think it's kind of neat seeing who picks what for music. It's kind of shows their personalities, I guess. Yeah, look into their soul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, some I'm, people just don't have souls, you can tell. <laughs> AKA Chris Hislop. <laughs> but, but I'm hoping we have all the kids staying over from the seminar. With us having over 30, I think that'd be great to have the kids out there for that too, right? So um, with us starting at 540, I think it's a great opportunity to at least see the introductions and a couple of first balls before they have to leave. Well, yeah. yeah. Like you're you're going to be done the seminar at what, roughly 530, and it's only going to be 10 minutes before walkouts. I think Absolutely. I can see a lot of them staying for that. It's yeah. kind of silly for them to leave before the walkouts at least. Yeah, yeah, we'll encourage that. For people that I'm sure they've checked the TPC website and stuff like that, but um, I do. Mitch Davies is coming out. Uh, Mike Herbert's coming out for the Invitational. Mm -hmm. um, who are the other players for the Invitational? Uh, uh, we have Daryl Goche, Al Paquette, the two Northern Ontario guys playing each other. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We have Robbie Wilson from Calgary coming out. We have Kevin Clark from uh, Regina. Uh, we have Brad Wilton from Calgary as well. 
and then we have Casey Campbell, one of our locals, and he is our title sponsor with him in and out of Cabinet Doors and more. And then we have Eric Shows from Wetaskiwin. Right, and Eric's playing Casey, I do believe. That's correct. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, it's, it, it'll be a fun time. Good. Who, who else playing in the uh, the ladies' side, guys? Uh, we have a, an up and comer from Lower Mainland, uh, Dakota Half. Uh, she's, I've we we sort of you see it online. She's she seems like hell of a bowler. Um, we also should be facing our local bowler, uh, Katie Rayner. Uh, Katie's kind of come in her own since she graduated. Yeah. Um, not with her 119 at the beginning of the year, but uh, <laughs> but that's she's, that's breaking rights for Dexter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, she just came a long way. Yeah, she she's definitely come a long way. And then um, Alyssa Bonney from uh, from Thunder Bay will be coming out to face uh, Chelsea Ely from the Lower Mainland BC again from Surrey. And then you got uh, Heidi Mapstone from Edmonton facing Jen Baker, who moved back from Newfoundland. So they're kind of facing off each other, old teammates. And then finally, you have the two Regina bowlers. You have uh, Jen Clark versus Sarah Ouellette. So I, both are all eight are really uh, awesome bowlers, and it'd be great to see, you know, um, hopefully I don't get to watch it because I'm still playing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I think it would go over really well. Yeah, for sure. It, it's kind of neat. The draws were completely random, and you have Regina players playing Regina players, Northern Ontario playing Northern Ontario. Um, it's kind of unfortunate that they're traveling all this way and they end up facing each other in the first round, but that's the luck with the random draw, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt bad for that, but yeah, like you said, we pulled it out of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> they're all here for the main event anyways. Yeah. yeah. Al says he has a different room right now, just in case him and Daryl don't get along, so they're okay. <laughs> well, if they invested in each other, at least one of the guys is going to go to the next round, right? Yeah, that, that's okay. Carrie might be looking for a new team on Thursdays. Why are you going to kick me off when I beat you? <laughs> we'll see tomorrow. For anybody who wants a preview, go to the uh, WCBT website and watch our match. Oh. They can go to live. <laughs> wow. I don't want to see you pout anymore. People didn't vote for you. So. <laughs> they were obviously right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then um, the main event starts obviously on the Friday. Um, first shift is at 9 9 o'clock. Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Yeah, and from the sounds of it, you guys have pretty much filled up every shift, eh? Close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from my last look, I think we had like four shifts last Friday morning, full Friday afternoon. Uh, Saturday morning we have three shifts left, and I think Saturday afternoon we have one. Tim. Right. Uh, I think I think we filled it up, but I mean, Did we fill it? keep in mind, yeah, keep in mind the rebuys. People are going to be dropping and. And gaining, so yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's going to fluctuate Saturday for sure. Yeah. yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't mean don't show up. Just show up and there will probably be a spot available because, like you said, a lot of those people have re-entered just in case they don't yeah. play that well in their first shift. But if they play well enough, they'll obviously drop out of that. Uh, def- definitely looking forward to the weekend. Lanes are playing great. Uh, confidence will be high probably after watching tomorrow's, uh, you know, invitational event. And uh, I, I think score is going to be huge. So 2150 is my guess, boys. That's what I was thinking too, actually. Yeah. Me and Tim have this argument. I'm thinking 2150. It was 2108 last year. Um, but pinfall, I think, is better. And we have more players and, and, and more people. What was eighth um, at the Masters? Uh, that's a good question. I was ninth at twenty-one forty. Yeah, so uh, twenty-one fifty is looking go. pretty close. Yeah, I don't know. I think twenty-one thirty, twenty-one twenty-five. Oh, Tim, you were always Master bad at math. Master just proved that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, 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 I don't know what the pace of play is going to be like, right? And and we never had a. A Friday morning shift so full, so I had to kind of put you know the traditional thinking out of the window a little bit, right? So better better quality field though too, right? I get a yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah. And and the pace of play isn't going to be any different Friday morning than it was before. 
we if we're just using all the lanes, right? And we were still doing three and two before. Yeah, yeah, we were. So just it's it's really yes. yeah, yeah, it's no different. I I think I think the scoring is going to be good. I think the I think the cut's going to be high. I think twenty one fifty minimum. Perfect for sure. Well, 2163. <laughs> 2163. Oh, God. I don't know if Who said I have that? that in me. me. <laughs> no. I'm sure Wolfson's got 2162 in him. That's how you find you find Wolfson's score and you add one more spot to it. That's how you figure out the cut. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much for coming out for another podcast. Um, Good luck tomorrow. Hopefully, uh, you all play well. Not so well to you in the orange, but anyways. <laughs> well, hopefully, I get a chance to play carrier I'm next. Colorblind. Who are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> the people that pay for the Patreon will see who I'm talking about. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys very much for coming out. Have a great night. Yeah, thanks, guys.